0: pray together. Dear Lord, I pray that uh, we as a people, as a church would have a faith uh, that knows no borders would go where you call us. That may be into a relationship that may be into our neighbor's home, it may be into a nation. pray we would have no fear. I pray we would have faith that you will draw us deeper but we will never sink pray we have the faith that we can walk on water and all of that is not because of us or our doing but it's because of you Jesus so I pray that our faith would rest in you and your grace that changes everything in our lives in your name we pray amen Y'all can be seated. If you would, uh, you can take a Bible and you can turn to 1 Timothy. It's towards the back of your Bible. It's a very short letter that Paul was writing to a uh, young man he was mentoring named Timothy. And I'm going to read out of 1 Timothy 1, chapter 12. Uh, But before we do, setting up a little bit, as I said, the Ash Wednesday service this Wednesday at 6... That will kick off the Lenten season, which next week we will start a new series that we are calling Last Night. And we are looking at the last night of Jesus' life before He went to the cross. And we're going to be looking at specific scenes, uh, such as the Last Supper, such as Jesus before Pontius Pilate, such as Peter's denial. So that's the series that's going to be taking us through Lent. But today we close out a series we began at the beginning of the year, that we called How Does Jesus Change My Life? And we have looked at different ways from our need for approval to forgiveness. And today we close with simply everything. Because how does Jesus change our life? He indeed changes everything. And I hope and pray that we will see that this morning. So, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm going to read... This is Paul writing Timothy, verse 12 through 17. I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. Now then, I want to share a couple things that I hear, uh, not necessarily all from people here, but some folks here and other folks in uh, that I'm in relationship, friendships with. Some, some things I hear often are, you know, that's, that's great. I think I'm saved. I think I'm going to heaven. But man, my life is still jacked up. I hear... Uh, and I'm just going to take a Sunday off. I hear... Man, it was easy to sleep in that day. I hear... My marriage is on the rocks. I hear... My marriage is in shambles. I hear... I'm still worried about my son or daughter. I hear... I really don't know what God is doing in my life, much less if he is in my life. Uh, Those are very common things that I hear from people who would profess to have a home or place in heaven or confess to be saved. And I want to ask this question, if we are saved, we've used that word before, or if Jesus is in our heart, has he not changed everything? I'd say yes, but here's my questions today. Does Jesus change everything when everything around you doesn't really seem like it's changed at all? And the second question would be, is Jesus your everything? Is he our everything? Jesus Christ changes everything. If He is in your life, in your heart. He changes everything. One important thing to remember, he doesn't change it from the outside in. He changed from the inside out, starts in the heart, just like he said, you know, a seed that drops into the ground and grows, starts inside and goes outside. So it could easily be that you receive him, you believe in him, but your world does not look any different. But it will, I believe. It may not look the way you want, it may not look the way we want, but it will ultimately look different if it begins in the heart. Jesus Christ changes everything. Jesus Christ changes everything in your life. He changed everything in Paul's life. Paul was a man who thought he was doing all the right things, living the right way, dotting all his I's, crossing all his T's, being the perfect religious person, and his world got rocked when he met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he fell to his knees, and Jesus changed everything and that he was a different person. And after that, he did something that we really want to do here at Bellwater. He began to raise leaders. Timothy was one of the leaders that he raised and mentored. Timothy became a pastor. Jesus changed everything in Paul's life. Jesus can change everything in your life. It may not look the way you want, but your want will ultimately change, and that's a part of everything changing when Jesus is in your heart. Now, the question would be, Has Jesus changed everything in this church, like for the people in this church? For many, no. Has Jesus changed everything in the lives of many people we know? For many, no. Why is that? How is that? Well, I hope today we'll see a little bit. And we'll see in this passage how Jesus can truly, can truly change everything. I want to say three things today. I want to talk about the problem we have. I want to talk about the answer. I want to talk about the results. So first, the problem. This passage highlights our problem. But to translate, our problem is one of two things. Our problem is we're good or we're really good. Our problem is saying we're good. We're good. What do I mean by that? Our problem is saying, man, I'm good. I mean, you know, I really am not crazy about my job. I mean, yeah, my life is, is pretty jacked up. But, you know, I'm healthy. Uh, my kids are healthy. I'm working on my marriage. I mean, look, I'm getting knocked around and stuff. But I'm good. I mean, I'm good. I mean, you know, I can take a Sunday off. I mean, look, I, I, I got my shot. I had the moment, you know, back in 7th grade or 11th grade or in mean, I mean, I'm, say, I'm good, man. I'm good. That's our problem. The other problem could arguably be worse. And that's when we say, I'm really good. Like, I, I'm really good, and that I will be at every Bible study or small group. Uh, I hit quiet time every day. A weekday is 30 minutes. A good day is 45 to an hour. I mean, I, I'm going on mission trips. I, I might even lead a small group. You know, I, I'm feeling caught. I mean, I'm really good. I mean, I'm really good with my spiritual life. See, on one side, when we say we're good, we're like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not great, but I'm good. And then when we really need help, we call on Jesus. The other side is like, I'm really good. And Jesus, I mean, I know what you did, but it's really not that great. I'm going to help you out by being so good and being so religious. and being, I'm going to help a brother out. I'm going to help Jesus out. That's our problem. Our problem is either we're good, you know, so-so, or we're really good. And do we really need Jesus' help? I'm good. I can do it on my own. Now, you say, like, where is that in the passage? That's in the passage because that's like Paul. And he says in verse 13, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I opposed it. When we're good or when we're really good, first we blaspheme Christianity because that's not true Christianity. We're persecutors because we may not say it, we may not verbalize it, but mentally we'll, we'll persecute those who are not good, you know, or who are not looking good, or certainly who are not really good, who are not up to snuff of our religiosity, self, or spiritual life. And it's like we oppose Christianity. Amen. We oppose what Jesus has done. Because if we're good, we really don't feel like we need him in, until we're in dire straits. If we're really good, we really don't think we, we're helping him out. So we can be like Paul. That's, that's the problem. So well, what's the answer? What's the answer? The answer, starts, the answer starts with saying we're not good. We're not good. You're like, whoa, 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 I'm good. No, we're not good. You're like, no, I'm good. I mean, you know, I'm good. No, we're not good. And a lot of times we have to get out of the mindset of, you know, on one side you might understand it's like secular humanism, like everybody's good. On the other side it's like that old Coca-Cola commercial, just, you know, grab hands or light a candle, everybody around. The, you know, that's what we kind of want to believe. That's not what Christianity says. That's not what the Bible, Bible says. We're not good. Like, whoa, how are we not good? Paul says it clearly here. He says, verse 14, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. How does, that say, how does that mean I'm not good? What is grace? We talk about grace a lot, but we rarely define it. Grace is undeserving, so we don't deserve it. It's unmerited. We can't earn it. So then translation, if grace is undeserving... And we get grace, that means we don't deserve grace. And that means we're not good. You see what I mean? If grace is free and grace we don't deserve it, then there's something in us that doesn't deserve it. There's something that's not good. So Paul realized who I was. Yet still, God's grace overflowed in me. And that grace led to, he says, faith believe. Often you have to believe in the grace. Yes, it can start like that, but I believe the grace leads us to have greater faith and believe more. And love that we love our fellow neighbor, we love our church family, but we love Jesus, that faith and love come from him when the grace overflows in us. You can say, yeah, great preacher, my life is still jacked up. You know, I mean, grace... Good faith, love, heard it, but still got my issues. Still don't have everything I want. Well, what we need to realize is that those everythings that we want will not, however you want to define it, fulfill us, sustain us, uplift us, carry us. It'll never be enough. The everythings in our pecking order will never be enough. We won't have enough friends. We won't have enough relationships. We won't get enough love from family. We won't get enough Travel time, we won't get enough vacation time, we won't have enough to- It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. And a lot of those are good things. I just mentioned family, friends, but they become idols. What's an idol? An idol is a good thing that becomes an ultimate thing. And we make our everythings idols. So what's the answer? Answer is verse 15 again. It's grace, but I'm going to keep going on. Verse 15, I love this verse. Look at it, it says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. Look, just break this down. This is the gospel. This is, this is it. This is the answer. This is, I can't say well, but Scripture says it so well. It says the saying, it's trustworthy. You can trust it. And it's deserving of full acceptance. Believe it. He, I love that how he just separates trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. You accept it. Trust it. That Christ Jesus came into the world; he came to us, came into this world. What? Not to condemn, not to judge, not to act holier than thou, but to save, to save sinners. And then I love the end where Paul says, "Of whom I was the foremost." Actually, he says, "Of whom I am the foremost." And actually, he highlights in uh, earlier in the chapter sinners and sin and sin, and he says, "I'm the worst." I'm the worst of all. I'm not good. But thank God Jesus saved me. It's the gospel. Now, I believe many of you have heard that before. Uh, I believe you've heard it here. Uh, I believe many of you believe that or would like to think you believe that. But I want you to see it today. And I pray you'd see it in a way that maybe you've never seen it before. I mean, I want you to literally, viscerally see it. So I'm going to start with this table here. And just imagine uh, this table... I mean, it is, it is physical, literal. This, this table is, is a church. Is it, a church. It says, in remembrance of me. This table was actually uh, used by a previous church here. So, so this is a church. And a lot of times, we act a certain way when we come to church. And we act in a way that really, Jesus would like it to be different. You're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, we, we bring our stuff to church. I mean... We bring, whether you call it a sin or we bring our lives, and we really don't allow fully, we don't believe fully that Jesus changes everything. So so when we come and we highlight this a lot, we want to be authentic, we want to be real. So so we come and we we bring our stuff, the stuff of our lives, the stuff of our heart, the stuff that defines, we, we bring it to church. And I'm going to bring it here in a second. But we bring it to church, but we don't let Jesus change everything. We don't let him cover everything. We don't let him overflow everything in our lives. We're like, what? Do you, I, it's going to make sense in just a second. Just stay with me. Church. And then we come to church, and we're like, I'm good, you know, or I'm really good. We come to church, and we bring our stuff. What's our stuff? Well, here, here's some stuff that we can bring, and also some, some of my stuff. So I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to be general at the same time. Let's start with the easy thing. Let's start just good times. We bring our good times, especially at Bellwether. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. So we bring, you know, part of our lives, we got the good times going, you know. We, we start there, and we got our good times, man. And pick your poison. Not, I'm not saying that's poison, but, you know, whatever it is, that's beer. And we're like, man, I'm bringing my good times, and, you know, I like to party, or I like to throw down, or I just like a beer every now and then. We bring it. Just bring it to church, put it on. Here it is. But then we bring more stuff out of our lives. First, we bring our love of self and our love of image. You know, not my mirror, okay, first off. <laughs> you know, it's not my wife's either, but, you yeah. Bring our love of image and self. Uh, we bring a desire to be in the right club, or maybe even in the right magazine. And This is Social South, not my magazine either, okay. Uh, we bring our, our love of clubs and relationships, supper clubs, you know, whatever that is. You know, being in the... I mean, I'm never in, I don't want to be in it, but you know, being in those pictures that some of y'all are in, we're in there, we bring that to church. We bring our hobbies, we bring our hobbies, Uh, this would be a deer, some of y'all don't know, Uh, I am, uh, I'm not an expert, I'm a novice, but I love to hunt, so this is some of my stuff, you know, bring it, you know, let's be real, you know, I like to hunt, or like, you know, let's be real here, we bring it. Uh, other hobbies would be, love baseball, love sports. We'll throw the sports jokes. This is not Ole Miss State. This is New York Yankees. I'm trying to be safe here. I love my New York Yankees. Love them. It's an idol. I'm, that's why I'm preaching this. Just bear with me. Love sports. Then we can get into even you know like, you know, I was like nastier sins, dirtier stuff. I mean you know let's, I had not even touched on lust. You know I really thought about. I do, I talked about staff. You know. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue has just come out, and I was like, should I throw that on here? But then I was like, I really don't want to see buying that, and I really don't want to be tempted to look at it. So here's my imaginary Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue that I know somebody got to throw that down there too, okay? But you know, who needs a magazine when you got an iPhone? You know, iPhone, it key phrase being I there. And communication or the world, good or bad, you got that. More, I keep it coming out. What? Idols of books, I love books, love to read. So I got a mystery here, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I got a history here, I love my books. You know, I'm just bringing our stuff. Then, um, you know, again, communication, computer with the iPhone, all that stuff. You can find anything. Then, oh man, even, even family. Like family's good, yeah, family, family love my kids, love my wife, bringing it, man, I'm, I'm here, this is all, I'm on my church, you know, this is my stuff, this is my life, then you can be like, how does, you know, how does the world define you, defines my education, bring up my degrees, one is from Ole Miss, I'm going to drop the other one, but, you know, my degrees, you know, they're here, just lay them on the church, man, my life, this is it, man, I get identity from this, where you work, can be power, I worked in D.C. for a couple years, man, this is... You know, that can just, you know, that means power. It kind of means power to me. You know, that's who I am. It's the Capitol building here. And then last, something I love, some of y'all love, would be the world. You know, and I got my map here, places I've been, places I want to go. I mean, this is me. I'm being real. I'm being authentic. And I'm laying all this at the church. And this is how we do. We're like, this is how we live right here. Here's the church. And we bring our stuff. i like, man, I'm either being authentic or I really don't believe what Jesus has done because I'm just going to keep coming. And this is my life, and it kind of surrounds, if you notice, it's kind of all over church. And church is beneath, and this is our life, and we cover the church. And that's our Christianity. And we're like, I'm good. Or sometimes I got the Bible there too, I'm really good. And our knowledge of the Bible is actually over Jesus. So what's the answer? Well, I said the answer in the Bible, but I said I really want you to try to see it today, hopefully, prayerfully, in a way you've never seen it before. The answer is what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done is like, yeah, he sees our blasphemy. He sees our persecuting. He sees our opposition to Christianity. So here it is. And this is me. A lot of this is me. He says, I love you anyway, and I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover your sins. You ever heard that? It's like a biblical. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover you. And he does. And so... Jesus then says, I'm going to love you anyway. And all of this, all your stuff, I love so much. I'm going to cover it. Cover it. Even the church too, because Jesus is higher in the church. Jesus is head of the church. That's Christianity. What Jesus has done. The white melts our hearts. White as snow. It's Christianity. That's what Jesus does. And he's like, we, we try to come, and first we build, you know, our temples, and then we bring our stuff. You know, we're being real. We're, Jesus said, man, trust me, I'm covering you. Here, I want to cover it up. Just let that hang for a moment. It's going to stay there. Now, to get the Bible out, what is the result? So the problem, there's the answer. What's the result? There are three results in this when, you, when you're here, when you're one result is you're an example. Paul says it, verse 16. I receive mercy, Jesus gives us mercy for all our idols. For this reason that in me as foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. How am I an example? You're an example because people know you and they know all your stuff and then you let Jesus cover you and you rest in that Jesus is covering you and they see you, and they're like, so you can still see the stuff in here. So if this was me, you still like see, You can still see those habits or sins, and you, but Jesus covered it. So you could know, look at this, this is not a perfect person, but he's an example because he's letting Jesus cover him. So y'all can be an example. With your stuff, you know, you bring it and everything, and letting Jesus and what he's done cover you, and you're an example. Like, I know he's not perfect. See, I see this stuff in there but he's trusted in Jesus. And Jesus is over his life. So the result is, first, we're examples. When we allow this, when we let Jesus love on us, when we trust in him, That's we trust in the grace. We believe in it, what he's done. But there's more. He's an example. Then you go for Jesus. Rewind to verse 12. Paul says, He judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. See, when we trust in Jesus we believe in His grace, and we rest in His love, then we're like, man, He's done this for me. Because see, in this is a very broken person that, you know, look for human ways to, you know, either try to be real or try to get relationships or try to get fulfillment. Or even like, I'm going to put this on top of the church so that at least, you know, I'm coming to church and trying to show that I'm, I'm working. But when you realize it, man, Jesus overwhelms you. Jesus is Everything. It is personal. He does it for you. It does it for you. It does it for you. Then you're like, it does change from the inside out. And then you want to go and serve him. And that service may be here in this church. It may be your next door neighbor. It may be to far flung countries. But you're like, he's given me this and I can, I can serve him. Just like Paul. Paul goes to serve him. So you're an example. You go. And you know, and this is honestly most important of all, you know Jesus as everything. I mean, you know Jesus as everything of the universe, of time, of history. Like, where does it say this? Verse 17. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Not only are you an example, not only do you go, but you know that our Savior... Is. I mean, King of glory, King of kings, King of ages. He will come again when He decides. And He will not come as like what we sometimes think of Him as like meek and mild and hippified with sandals and long hair and all that. Not that anything's wrong with that, but you know, that's how we think of Him. He'll come with, man, with clouds and with power and with lightning in glory as King of the universe, of time, of history. And that's who He served, that's who saved us. And he'll clothe this world, the new world, like the white comes over our lives, the white will pour over this world. It'll happen. So that day we wait. So you're an example. You go and you know. You know Jesus is something entirely different. You know Jesus is everything. Everything in your life. Everything in history. going will close briefly, and then we're going to invite y'all to communion have a godly ambition. Use that phrase, godly ambition for uh, this this place, this community, this family, this church. A godly ambition that lives would change. Would like really change. That, that leaders would be raised in Christ, through Christ, by Christ. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. Knowing this. Have a godly ambition that Marriages would be restored. uh, That families would be united. That families would be raised in the power of Christ. And He would be central to their life. I have a godly ambition that this church would make a profound impact in our lifetime. There will be other lifetimes of this church in other cities. But in our lifetime, God would do phenomenal work in raising His kingdom both here in our city and around the world. That's godly ambition. It can happen. It is happening, but it can happen more. But something has to happen for it to happen. You, in the plural, but you individually, have to make a response. You have to respond and, and really say, you know, I've been, I've been living this way. I'm just coming to church and kind of throwing my stuff out there and not trusting. I've, I've been using excuses. Well, it's easy to sleep in or it's easy to miss today or you know I, my marriage is still in trouble and or I, I'm just really I'm, you know, I'm good I'm good I'm good or I'm really really I got to respond to trust what Jesus can do to your life and that he will send you forth on a great mission which is his mission for his new world which he will ultimately complete when he returns but you got to respond you got to respond. And all I can do first is preach it and say please and trust the Holy Spirit works. Then we as a church can help you walk together. You're like, man, I got gotcha. you. That looks nice. Maybe it was a great illustration, but I, you know, I'm still, still not there. Just take a step and trust Jesus will cover you and then Jesus will change you And ultimately, I believe the bad stuff in there will melt. Affections will change. And the good things can be used for his glory. So that can be your work or your education or your travel. Your affections change. Like because of what Jesus has done, I love different things. And I want to do different things. I want to do different things in my life. I want to do different things in my marriage. I want to do different things in this world because of Jesus. That's how everything changes. All I can do is preach that, say please, and trust the Holy Spirit to work. But you have to respond. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I pray that people would begin to see Jesus as, it's in a different way, as everything. That you have done everything. You have done everything for us. You've you've done everything for us. You said it's finished. It's finished. You, You cover us. You flood us. Your grace overflows, as Paul said. Forgive me, uh, forgive us, when in in our brokenness we just, you know, we just see church as a place and we we bring our stuff and we think we're good or we've got our shot of salvation and we're okay. I pray we would see Jesus so much more, that you cover us, you fill us, and you're always there. Help us see that, and that changes hearts which changes everything may we as a church change everything in our time and our season let us do it together in jesus name amen